I'm Bo Maddox. And I'm Ryan Gosling, literally for real. <laughs> and this is Barbenheimer 2023. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where you focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in the world of cinema. We're podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. And this is a true event here, the event of events, the, the cinematic event of a lifetime. The biggest that we cinematic crossover event since Infinity War. Absolutely. It, it, it's just something that is just like a wrecking ball on the world of blockbuster cinema. And of course, we are talking about motherfucking Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer! Oh my god, dudes. Okay, so out of the two of us, I'm the one that actually went to go see both of these movies on release night uh, yeah. at the same time. So I watched, or not that at the same time, but I watched Barbie and then I watched Oppenheimer. Um, so you did the you did the double feature. I did the double feature and I did it on release night, um, and uh, awesome. yeah, it was right after work and it it, it it was it was quite a thing. Let me tell you, I went by myself because I didn't want to have to end up paying for you know multiple tickets for multiple people, you know. And I don't know, I just thought I, I, maybe I thought it was weird to ask somebody to buy two tickets with me, you know. And I just you know I just I just, I just went by myself here. Yeah. In Houston, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was definitely it was definitely an event. Um, what's funny is, as I really didn't have a whole lot of material to work off of going on to either movie. I mean, I'd seen a little bit of some of the trailers, but I really didn't even know what to fully expect out of Barbie. Whether this was going to be a movie more geared towards adults or kids. Uh, Definitely more geared towards adults. <laughs> a, a little bit, I would say. Uh, but before we go any further, not only did this uh, big, big event happen, but another uh, little something something occurred uh, in between the last episode that we did and uh, and uh, Barbenheimer. And that, of course, is the ongoing uh, strikes in Hollywood between yep. SAG-AFTRA and the WGA and the AMPTP. And we want to say right now that we are standing in solidarity with the writers. We're standing in solidarity with all the actors. I, I hear that uh, uh, visual effects artists in the VFX industry, especially at Marvel, they just signed union cards and they voted to unionize. So we absolutely 100% uh, support organized labor. We support uh, the uh, people who are on strike and fuck, fuck uh, the, uh, the executives that said that they're going to... to allow these people to just, you know, by October be homeless and then, then uh, have them come and, and try to take a bad deal. Like, like screw that noise. Seriously. So, yes, it's like my fist is raised in the air, solidarity. It's like don't people don't settle for less here. Don't settle for less. And, and, and Barbenheimer right here, 
it, it's kind of interesting that this uh, sort of thing happened with this big organic cinematic event right here. I mean, at, at the Oppenheimer event, like like uh, the uh, it was the opening in the UK. All the actors they immediately the, the strike happened right then and there. They walked off the uh, the red carpet, and Chris Nolan supported it. <laughs> Absolutely, Chris Nolan supports it. So yeah, before we go any further, solidarity with SAG-AFTRA, solidarity with WGA. Fuck the AMPTP. Hell yeah. But now back to back to Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into Barbie because oh my god, the discourse in this fucking movie. Jesus Christ. Okay, so yeah, definitely for adults. Um, bring your older kids that have a you know good sense of humor. I mean, I, I feel like this is a it, it's it's a little less subtle than the normal innuendos, right? So absolutely, absolutely. They, they really kind of go all in, uh, you know, really critiquing a lot of things about uh, both about uh, our culture in general, you know, but especially about uh, masculinity and femininity. Oh, definitely. And I think that's why this movie has resonated with so many people, because, I mean, you have a lot of people calling this movie woke um, and it is very progressive. But at the same time, there's a whole demographic of of not even progressives of like right wingers that just totally like fell in love with this like relatable kin character played by Ryan Gosling. And I'm just going to go out and say that for me, Ryan Gosling was the best part of this movie. And I hate saying that knowing that it goes against some of the film's like central themes. And it like kind of like spits in the face of it that like the, the, the best part of this movie was still a man. But I, I, I just fucking Gosling, Gosling fucking killed it, man. And he's the Gosling, bro. And he's literally Gosling. me for real. The Gosling. And you know, Alan is literally me. <laughs> no, Fucking but seriously, I, I was watching this. I know the Ryan Gosling is literally me joke. You know, it, 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 that's been a cultural thing for a while now. I mean, it kind of goes back to drive, I guess. Um, absolutely. Absolutely goes back to drive, like 100%. Yeah, that was, that was kind of like the first time that that really kind of started happening. Uh, and then, you know, over the years, it's like every Ryan Gosling role, you know, we just, just kind of like men just see him as like this archetype, as this personality, you know, like uh, Patrick Bateman or <laughs> man, man, there there were dudes going to the premiere of uh, Barbie wearing the uh, Scorpion drive jacket, which, by the way, our uh, our co-host Robert, who is not with us right now, um, he he has one of those jackets and I totally wanted to try to get him to watch this movie with the, uh, with that jacket on. Like, and that would have been so hilarious. That, that, that dude, I, I know we're, I was trying to get Robert. We were trying to convince Robert. We're like, Robert, you got to for the Goslin, bro. Yeah. But he, I don't know. He was, uh, I, he didn't seem that interested in Barbenheimer for some reason. I, I don't know. It, yeah. It's weird because, you know, you have Ryan Gosling and, of course, you know, Christopher Nolan. When Christopher, whenever Christopher Nolan makes a movie, it, it's a big deal. It is so. a big deal, as we'll get into. But, yeah, no, I, I, I loved that I was finally able to hop on to the Ryan Gosling is literally B train. And believe me, I, I've, I've gone full out with it. My Facebook has a picture of my face on Ryan Gosling's body. My current job <laughs> oh, yeah. is listed as beach. And uh, <laughs> I'm constantly nice. making references about my Mojo Dojo Casa house and wanting a long-term distance, low-commitment, casual girlfriend. Wow. Dude, honestly, that's a little element that, you know, me being Ace and Demi, I, I couldn't help but just laugh at. It's just, it totally just uh, took the concept of, uh, of normal, heteronormative, monogamous relationships and just kind of shit all over it. 
you know, but also shit all over a lot of the uh, tropes that a lot of incels tend to kind of bring up, you know, like, for instance, you know, friend zone and all that. It, it really kind of satirized that a lot. It, it really brings all of it because Ke Ken's whole personality prior to going to the Barbie world, and I, I, I'm going to to the real world from the Barbie world, and, and I don't want to go into spoilers here, but, you know, but, you know, his, his, his character journey up to that point and, and even ultimately throughout it and at the end of it is is he simping for barbie and i couldn't relate more i've had so many of uh, <laughs> uh, like times in my life of have simping for you know, women and having unrequited feelings if it's like it was like a ballad and i think it's great that like so many men you know around the world have uh, relate to this and instead of ryan gosling being like the silent badass you know he's just this this very like over the top simp and yeah, he, it's, it's like he's, he's insecure. He's, he's kind of <laughs> pathetic, honestly. He's pathetic as fuck. I mean, but it's it's very easy to relate to that, though. I mean, we've all kind of been a little sad and pathetic in our relationships somewhere along. You the know line, what, Bo? You, know? you are Knuff. I am Knuff. I am Knuff. Oh, I, me, I ordered me, the fucking me, hoodie. <laughs> oh, I bet you did. Oh, let me tell you about how a lot of the uh, the chuds are trying to uh, appropriate Knuff. They're, they're they're totally trying to appropriate that shit and make it into like a an alt right message or something. That's like what that. I that's what I was I, saying I just, earlier. This movie has yeah. also appealed to the opposite side of the spectrum. And I don't know why Ben Shapiro is, is, is shitting on it because his entire fan you, base is all did, over did, it. Did you, did you see the uh, the photo of him uh, standing next to the uh, Barbie uh, the the uh, the Barbie movie poster and the, the goddamn poster? <laughs> <top of> <laughs> Oh, Benny Shap, you you burned Barbies. You went and bought Barbies and you burned them. What but what the fuck, man? I, I think even the alt right chuds that are kind of looking at this movie and and just like seeing Ken as this like based object. I think you know it's it, it still is. There's a sense of of irony here, and, and I think that everybody just everybody kind of realizes the, the point of his character journey, which you know ultimately. You know, it, it comes down for him and Barbie to just discovering who they are as individuals. And I, I think that's yeah. kind of the movie's ultimate message is, is that it's about, you know, being yourself. You are enough. Well, well it's, it's about self-actualization, uh, like uh, taken to his logical uh, final conclusion, you know, especially in, within a feminist uh, construct. You yeah. know, I mean, everybody thinks that feminism is supposed to be, you know, like pitting women against men or something like when it couldn't be further from the truth. It's very much, you know, uh, about equality, you know, and in this movie, it shows how, how uh, deleterious uh, both patriarchy and the other extreme matriarchy can be. I mean, yeah, I mean, this the situation with the Kins in uh, in Barbie land, it's like, yeah, that's kind of parallel. I mean, it's not as extreme, but it's parallel to what was happening to women in, in the real world. Right, right. You know, and in, I think the movie even kind of, you know, it doesn't... It, it, it might seem like it's kind of glamorizing this matriarchal world, but it, it's making a point about it. And, and I loved that this movie was not only genuinely hilarious throughout, like I was laughing from beginning to end, but it's so well and, and intelligently written. Exactly. And, and we have Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, Baumbach to thank for that. I mean, yeah. th th this movie had some some stellar uh, people attached to it. I mean, oh, Greta yeah. Gerwig, my, my God, her directorial style here is it's just so, so amazing. I mean, it's like 
using all these old school uh, filmmaking techniques to bring Barbie Land to life. Like, I don't think there was even any CGI involved in most of it. A lot of a lot of it looked like. Uh, the types of effects that you would see in old-timey uh, silent films. Yeah, you know? it, it did seem like it, it, it relied at least more on practical effects than anything, and it has that in common with the other movie we're going to be talking about today. So yeah. uh, I'm it, nice to it, see like, like a return to that in the film industry, you know? Absolutely. And, and what's great is how it really brought the, uh, the plasticity and the, uh, you know, the aesthetic of Barbie's uh, toys to life. I mean, they... That entire set genuinely looks like giant toy playsets. It does. Playsets that I know. Playsets that I know at one time were available in the Barbie line. Dude, I remember my sister's Barbie dream house so well. I saw a meme with it the other day, and I just immediately recognized it because I'll be real. When I was really little, when I was a little little kid, I did play Barbies with my sister. Uh, oh, I liked, of you know, I liked playing I, as I, the I, kids. Yeah, my, my, I played Barbie with my little sister, and she liked to play uh, Ghostbusters with me. Ghostbusters or Ninja Turtles. So, yeah. So, you know, yeah, th like, this is something I think everybody kind of relates to in some way or another because it's like, yeah, I've seen that outfit, right? I've seen that Barbie. And all the little references that they make to, like, the, the pregnant Midge, who, by the way, canonically, Alan is actually the father. Nice. Yes, <laughs> Alan. Alan is my man. Alan is the shit. Alan is me 100%. I, I, yeah, once all that jock shit goes down, I'll get the fuck out of there too. I'll just be like, <laughs> no, I can't take any more of this fucking shit. These people, these, these people well, are insane. Mike, Michael Cera, this movie is, is just classic Michael Cera, and he's Alan. He is. And it, Absolutely and he, classic. He's great. Uh, the other, you know, actors, obviously, you know, uh, we haven't even talked about Margot Robbie, and. Uh, oh, she was, she's phenomenal. She's so perfect. She's perfect for Barbie. She was perfect for this. I, I love how there's kind of a, a, a tongue-in-cheek joke about her later and a point that they're making about women. Um, did, you, did you remember that one? Where it was like, yeah. You know, <laughs> that was, I, I don't want to spoil it. But, like, yeah, I, I love um, yeah, just how, like, self-aware her performance as Barbie is, like, throughout the movie, you know, just the way that her character is, is written. Um, that, that's... That's the most interesting aspect to me about Barbie Land is how everyone is totally self-conscious. It's like, no, we are we are imaginary constructs in a way. It's like this: the real world and Barbie Land are completely different constructs, you know. And I mean, I, I really like that angle. Yeah, and, and I mean, throughout the movie, you know, I felt invested in uh, Barbie's character journey, and I I found myself not actually predicting. Ex exactly what would happen by the end of the movie. I, I think that was probably one of the most interesting aspects of it to me was that the movie wasn't predictable. And I feel like a movie like this would be, but it wasn't. I didn't actually know where they were going to go with this. Um, and, and, and a lot of that is, you know, just accentuated by, by Margot Robbie's performance because she's obviously the central point here. Um, yep. But also another shining point are the performance of the other Barbies as well. Like, for instance, we got Kate McKinnon as Weird Barbie. Which, yep. By the way, they released they released a Weird Barbie, and and her whole story is is that you know every little girl has a as a Barbie that they kind of fucked up, you know, that they you know they played with and they fucked it up. Like a lot of little girls have that, you know, which is cool. It's like yeah, they're they're no different than little boys fucking around and destroying their action figures, you know. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I love how that was referenced. Stuff. Yeah, right? 
Also, like this movie opens up with a 2001 A Space Odyssey reference. <laughs> oh, there's there's so many cinematic uh, references to this. Like, for instance, there's there's a reference to uh, the volleyball scene in Top Gun. Yeah, there. like a total total reference to it. And you know, but I don't know. One of my favorite things is that uh, yeah, Zack Snyder's Justice League is brought up in yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so so we're film bros like being all into the Godfather, like being into the Godfather, like every single one of them being into the Godfather was so great. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Or or that scene Cause, on, cause on the, on the scene that on the beach where Ken is playing the guitar and he's and he's singing. Uh, he, Ryan Gosling does an amazing rendition of Push. I love the way he just kind of almost over emulates Push. You well, around, well, well, I will, well, I will. And, and, yeah, but no my, kidding. But my favorite part of that scene is is he's playing, he's singing the song to her, and then the camera pans out, and we see that all of the kids are playing guitar and singing "Push" to Ex- each except of for their the one, Barbies. except for one dude with the with the drum kit. There's a dude uh, with a drum kit. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's a dude with a drum kit. I'm pretty sure. That was just hilarious to me. I mean, I mean, it's just like the little jokes like that throughout the movie, and they're really carried by these performances. I mean, um, in, in terms of the Kens, we also have, uh, I'm probably not going to say his name right, but he's the new doctor, Nakutwi Gatwa. Uh-huh, yeah, And uh, definitely. Yeah, he was, yeah, he, he uh, and he, he's one of the more prominent Kens in the movie. We've also got Simu Liu as Ken's, like, rival Ken. Dude, Art. he's great. Simu he, he's great. hilarious in his own right. Yeah, you know, and then, and then just but, culminating up into like the, the the dance number that all the kids do together, and that also is just one of the best parts of the film. That, <laughs> that part actually really reminded me of something like West Side Story. A the little beach bit. off, like so, some of the yeah, the beach off. It's like that, that's total West Side Story, man. I mean, once again, going back to a lot of those cinematic references that Garwig kind of uh, peppered throughout this movie. Yeah. Yeah, just just so many. It's full of life. I mean, this movie just never like bored me at any point. I felt like the pacing was pretty on point, you know. And you know, and, and throughout the movie, I was just I was not only invested in in the story that was unfolding in front of me, but I was just laughing. It was yeah. so oh, funny, and and it was in, it was smart it's a funny, really funny, really funny movie. But what was really funny was when Barbie went into uh, the real world and went to. And then uh, met up with uh, the uh, board, the board members, and it's like, dude, Will Ferrell's back. Will Ferrell is kind of a, a return to form a little bit here. Yeah, yeah, no, Will Ferrell is just classic Will Ferrell here. Like, it's actually kind of refreshing. Um, and, and every scene with him and the board of, of Mattel is, is, is so funny. It's it, really funny. It's really amazing. And, and America Ferrara, like, she, was she great. gave that. She she gave that like impactful fucking monologue. I mean, we we've all heard the speech. Have you heard we've the man heard the it. man version of it? Oh, I don't know if I even want to hear the man version of it because it's probably <laughs> some stupid incel shit. But um, yeah, the, the yeah that that whole speech that apparently she repeats to every Barbie, or maybe she changes it a little bit or whatever. The whole yeah. But my God, it's like I mean that. That's pretty much the uh, underscore of the entire movie. That that's the crux of it, right yeah. there. You know. Did you notice that it's both of these movies had clear, like three act structures? Very clear three act structures. Yeah, yeah. A little more so than uh, we've been seeing from a lot of uh, Marvel movies, even. You know. Yeah, like it seems like 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 there's just like a lot of like like we can tell when uh, uh, you know 
a director and a team of, of directors and writers, you know, really actually put their all in, into, you know, making a quality product, you know, like just, just following the rules to a book, you know, and it's just, I don't know what it is, but, but a powerful, like, like a well-defined three act structure really enhances a story. And in, especially, in a lot of ways. it's, and especially a three act structure where the third act doesn't, you know, completely falter, which is kind of a kind of a problem with a lot of modern movies is like they have really, really strong first and second acts. But once you start getting to the third act, it, it starts to kind of taper off, you know, I didn't like, feel like, that I mean, way with this. Movie. No, it, it doesn't feel that way at all. I mean, it, the, the ending didn't feel like honestly at the end of the movie, I was feeling very kind of existential a little bit. It's like, huh, yeah, for real. I think I'm, I think I'm going to go smoke a joint and think about my place in the world. This is, this, this, this is a great weed smoking movie. Oh, it's total weed smoking movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great movie to get high into. I've got it on in the background, you know, while we're recording too. Um, she's talking to Weird Barbie right now. Like you said, Kate McKinnon oh, nice. is awesome. Oh, she, uh, yeah, Weird Barbie is great. Yeah. And like I said, they just released a, a, a Weird Barbie based on her character. So, based. Let's see, who, who else yeah. was in this movie? I know, like, it was a pretty. <laughs> John Cena is John Cena is in there. Oh, oh yeah, fucking John Cena is in John the movie. John Cena pops us a mermaid kin. I'm just like, oh shit. Wait, wait, <laughs> I I didn't see him. Oh, that's right. You didn't see him. I didn't see him. I oh yeah. I I don't know. Maybe he wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking John Cena. Um, he he would totally he totally be an ultimate kin, honestly, but. And Mermaid Ken, that's great. Let's see. Uh, Issa Rae is was President Barbie. Yeah, Dua, she she Dua, was she was excellent. Dua Lipa is in this. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. What, what, which Barbie did she play? The Mermaid Barbies. Oh, she was Mermaid Barbie, huh? Okay. So Dua Lipa and John Cena, they're, they're the mermaids. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, see, this the, has the, such the, a huge. This has, this is such a uh-huh. this has such a huge cast that yeah, we kind of have to sit here and actually like look this shit up a little bit. Oh, Hel- Helen Helen Mirren is the narrator. Oh, Helen Mirren, man! I I heard that there's a. Incidentally, uh, speaking of Helen Mirren, I heard that there's somebody that's making a new cut of Caligula that's not going to use any original footage from the original movie. So. That's that's gonna be fun. <laughs> Interesting. Let's see, uh, Rob Brydon. Uh. But yeah, I mean, the cast in this movie is superlative, and and they all they all fit their roles perfectly, and I mean, they, they all everybody's giving it their all here. You know? Yeah, they really are. I felt like I didn't feel like any performances fell short of what they were trying to achieve. And I mean, the 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 the, the biggest show stealers of course are going to be Margot Robbie and, and the Goslin. Um the and even even like their chemistry, like the way that they work off of each other, you know, even, even though they like it's like a one-sided thing and he's pining after her but she doesn't feel the same way about him. Even so they but, managed but to she, like exude this like chemistry you know this dynamic but the thing is that barbie still cares about ken yeah she she genuinely does and she she wants him to be happy 
You know, and in the end, she, she kind of points him in the right way towards being happy. It's like, look, you're not going to find happiness in me. You can find happiness somewhere else. And I feel that that is a very, very, very important message to get out there, especially to younger men, you know, and young women is that, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to be in a relationship to, you know, find individual actualization, you know, I mean, it, it's nice and, and a good relationship should be more or less like a partnership more than anything, but you know, yeah, you, you don't want that kind of one-sided relationship, and you certainly don't want to be simping all the goddamn time, you know? That's, Im that's important, and, and I, I wish that when I was growing up, I could have gotten that message as well. Man, I wish, I, you know, to this day sometimes, man, like, it's, 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 it's always a struggle, and I think that's why, like, again, I just related so much with, with that character, and... Um, you know, just, just thinking about, you know, just kind of something that I'm kind of figuring it out in my life is that, you know, having, feel yeah. you can't define yourself by your feelings for someone else, even if they are equity, even if you're in a relationship, like it's important to know who you are as a person before anything else. Yes, definitely. And that's, that's the best way to go about, you know, like relationships in general, not just romantic relationships, but even platonic relationships to a degree. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You really have to like discover who you are. And I'm glad that that's the film's message. I mean, I actually went into it thinking that there was going to be a romance between Barbie and Ken and this movie didn't play that angle at all. And, and that's refreshing. It's so refreshing. I mean, especially, especially for me, you know, being Ace and Demi and everything. It's like, I mean, sometimes, there's there's some older movies there that shit can just where I just gotta kind of roll my eyes at that shit and I'm just like oh geez yeah of course they're going to fucking be together and it's like especially when it's like out of nowhere you know which which had this movie come out like ten years ago that trope would absolutely have been there like beyond a shadow of a doubt yeah <clears throat> yeah for real but I, I guess that's that's as much as we can really say about the movie without getting into spoilers um, yeah. But I mean, I, I think that it is definitely uh, it's an it's an important movie. It really is, and it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting uh, interesting cultural study. Uh, maybe about another ten or fifteen years down the road to really look back on Barbenheimer and just kind of feel like you know this is it kind of feels like a, a paradigm shift in a way when it comes to how we uh, how we watch movies. Uh, like how we uh, interact with movies and how we interpret movies, you know, because everybody is coming at this movie with so many different interpretations. Yeah, yeah, no, for real. Like that—that's what's great about this movie is like there is just just it—it's it, actually enough of a good, you know, enough of a. How, how am I trying to word this? It, it's open to interpretation, and it's not as ham-fisted or in your face as, as you would as some people might make it out to be you know it's like the kind the movie kind of lets you interpret it really however you are going to interpret it um and, but and that's I, that's and that's really a testament to the to the screenplay that gerwig and uh Bombach came came up with you know i mean there, there's not anything that's wasted in this movie no, not at all. And I, and I enjoyed that this movie has those moments for both women and men. You know, moments where we can sit and be like, yes, it is like that. You know, I, I do get that. And, and I think that that's why this movie is so important, actually. You know, like you said, is that it's, it, it's actually, uh, 
not only culturally relevant and will continue to be, you know, looking back on this, but it, it has something important to say. You know, it really actually has a message. There is genuinely, like, care put into the script behind that, you know? Absolutely, and there's also real care put into the characterizations of, of everybody. And, and all, like, I also like the dynamic between America Ferrara's character and her daughter. As yeah, her well. daughter you know, was like great, her, yeah. Her daughter, her daughter was excellent, and she, uh, I, mean, I mean, she's kind of an individual in her own right, but... You know, I mean, it, it also was a very sweet relationship between the two, and it didn't get into too many of the same tropes that we see in those uh, type of single mom-daughter uh, relationships in movies like this, you know? It, ki- it kind of uh, had an interesting arc to it. Yeah, and, and as a parent myself, it actually, that those are the parts I think that made me tear the most up were the moments between the, the you know, the mom and the daughter, and especially that one scene where we're seeing, you know, like their distance over the years. And, and that really hit me, actually. <laughs> oh, that, that, hit, that hits hard, you know, and, then that com- and that's something that is kind of conveyed through the character of Barbie at one point as well. Yeah, definitely. But, yep, that was Barbie. So I guess we'll uh, have a short intermission and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, the sloppy oppie. The sloppy oppie. Sloppy oppie. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and every day from now until forever. You guys ever think about dying? When my heart breaks. Some things have been happening that might be related. When my world shakes. Cold shower falling off my roof. Ah! And my heels are on the ground. to do you have to go to the real world you can go back to your regular life or you can know the truth about the universe the choice is now yours the first one the high heel you have to want to know okay do it again closer i am to find closer i am to find i'm coming with you okay This is the real world. (laughs) What's going on? Why are these men looking at me? Yeah, they're also staring at me. Barbie in the real world. That's impossible. If this got out, this could mean extremely weird things for our world. This would be catastrophic! We haven't played with Barbie since we were like five years old. No one rests until this doll is back in a box. Even if nobody else along. Humans only have one ending. Get that Barbie! Ideas live forever. No 
I won't let you do just one appendectomy. But I'm a man. But not a doctor. Can I talk to a doctor? You are talking to a doctor. Can I need a clicky pen? No. A sharp thing? No. There he is. Doctor! Somebody get security. It's Bobby Boots if you're still in doubt. And we're back to talk about Sloppenheimer. Nope. The the uh, the Sloppenheimer. Well, <laughs> I, I would say we're not going to get into spoilers, but this is a real life historical event. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a little different on how we talk about this because you know yeah, th- these are obviously events that if you uh, go and you read any type of biography of uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer and everything, it's like yeah, you're going to come across a lot of uh, you're going to come across a lot of what happens in this movie, but. Uh, Oppenheimer, I mean, the way that Chris Nolan really kind of took his, uh, his life story and took the historical, uh, all the historical, uh, data behind it and kind of, uh, kind of turned it into something that's more like a, I'd say that this is closer to almost like a thriller in a way, right? It's kind of presented that way and it's shot that way. I mean, and I believe that Christopher Nolan actually kind of, uh, said that some of the ways that he, uh, kind of uh, like scripted this and everything is kind of like a horror yeah or, or how, how it was like yeah in terms of of, of you know, like the, the cinematography and, and and whatnot yeah like I, I I can see what you mean there obviously you know Christopher Nolan movie it, it's gonna be good and this has every bit of the level of quality um, if not more than his other films um, I mean I I, I I this is this is actually a phenomenal movie just on its own. Um, and, and that's supported, again, once, once more by a stellar cast. Um, this... Oh, yes, you, you have, you have Cill- Cillian Murphy, you have Florence Pugh, Robert you have Florence Downey Pugh Jr. and her tits. Gary Old... Florence Pugh's tits. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Oh, she was fully, fully naked in this. I mean, it wasn't full frontal or anything, but honestly, kind of good to see nudity in a fucking modern movie for a change. I mean... That's something that I've kind of noticed with a lot of even R-rated movies these days is that there's not a whole lot of nudity. And I, and I could kind of understand why, you know, post-Weinstein and post-Me Too, you know. I mean, a lot of, a lot of nudity in movies was kind of uh, linked to a lot of that uh, exploitation that was in, inherent in yeah. the system, you know. But, but, I mean, to see that Florence Pugh just, uh, just kind of, uh, and also Cillian Murphy as well, just kind of... Uh, throw all caution to the wind and just kind of do that it's like i mean that was interesting and i and i'm sure that miss pew she she did it on her own terms you know it's like and, and nowadays they have like what, what do they call them intimacy coaches or something like that for these type of things i believe i guess so but yeah but yeah i mean it was i have to say kind of nice to see that Sort kind of sorta, you know, and I mean, I think you know, it was Florence nice Pugh to see a Florence Pugh's very, very tits. beautiful woman. It, it, she's a very beautiful woman. She really is, and an, an amazing actress. I mean, she she played uh, Jane Totsky like like spot on, man. She she was awesome. Yeah, yeah, she was great. Uh, Emily Blunt as well. Um, we also saw what, Rami Malek is in this. Kenneth Branagh, the uh, fuck, fucking oh, yeah, fucking Lockhart himself. Um, Fuck yeah. Josh Fuck Peck yeah. is in this. Gar- <laughs> I recognize him. I was like, Gar- is that- Gary Oldman is... Gary Oldman? It's Gary Oldman Gary Oldman is Harry Truman in yep. this movie. Yep. 
I did not recognize him at all. Like, I, I didn't did not either. Fucking recognize him. Um, the guy that does uh, that plays Albert Einstein, uh, Tom Conti. That was a, that. Oh, he, yeah, he was pretty Tom cool. Conti. Yeah, that was. I, I really enjoyed that portrayal of Einstein. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it was very interesting and. You know? Just so many names all throughout. By the way, I, I I'm gonna go out and say that yeah, this is Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance. Oh, without a without a shadow of a, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I think that he should probably get a supporting uh, actor nomination here, along with Gosling. They they both deserve it, and you know Robbie and Mur Murphy deserve best actor and actress uh, nominations, as it were. But yeah, yeah. No, one hundred percent. Like, like he, shit. Robert Downey Jr. blew out of the park, and like, I love, love, love him as Tony Stark, and and this blew that performance out of the water. It's just like, like the this Strauss character. Oh, oh it's light. Who, it's, you don't. It's light uh -huh. years away. Light years. Yeah, and then this character who you don't really quite know how to feel about throughout the movie, you know, up until. <clears throat> I guess the third act, you, you you could say, you know, when when you know you kind of actually see his true colors and whatnot. But uh, like all throughout, I I felt like he kind of stole whatever scenes he was in, and then of course, you know, Cillian Murphy, um, to to me was just a very believable Oppenheimer. Like I just I really understood this version of the character. I don't know how close it is to the way that he acted in real life, but I know that a lot of the events in this movie are. Uh, historically accurate you know like, like are very true to the way things played like he actually did try to poison his From teacher although s supposedly it wasn't a lethal poison like in the movie <laughs> yeah so su yeah supposedly the, the oppenheimer's family had something to say about that and i think also something about his relationship with uh, jane totsky a little bit as well yeah like, i, I could think there see was that some, uh, i it, no, no. Here, here's what it, it, it was. It was uh, the whole thing about the uh, I am I become death destroyer of worlds is saying, you know, and, and where that came from. Apparently, uh, he didn't uh, really get it from uh, a, a sexual encounter with uh, Jane Totsky. You know, but, but I, it, it didn't go go down exactly. That I way. could have guessed that would have been one of the things that the movie embellished, though. It was just like a, a nice like entry point to where like you can you understood that at some point earlier in his life he came across this phrase, you know, so it would come back later. And, and according to Oppenheimer himself, the line came to him at the time of the bombing. But according to people around him, he didn't say it. But I, I would believe that, like, the line came fully formed in his mind. And the movie kind of does it pretty ambiguously. You know, you can't really see his face while this is going on. It's just over the, the explosion, you know, the voiceover comes up and so you know it could have easily been in his head or he could have easily been said out loud um i just thought that that whole scene was done beautifully I, I, you know that's the crux of the movie and like the best the honestly the best part of the movie and it's and you're actually still quite a bit away from the end by the time it happens <laughs> yeah yeah the 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 actual bomb test at los alamos i mean <clears throat> yeah First of all, I mean the the way that it was done was, apparently was without any CGI, like which was very very impressive, man. A lot of the the effects that's used, like the interstitial effects and everything, the visual effects, it's like it's all practical, and and that's something that once again I want to bring up is that 
both of these movies pretty much use practical effects to 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 full effect yeah. here. And in Oppenheimer, I, I'd say it's almost uh, more. Uh, it's almost more impressive because I mean the entire movie was done I, without computer generated imagery. <laughs> it, it was, it was, and uh, I mean Nolan was like adamant about making sure that this bomb was represented in a way that didn't use CGI, and I, I think that he really pulled it's, it, it off. It looks incredible. Like you know, uh, uh, don't get front row seats to this movie because uh, <laughs> right. Especially, especially if you're going to right. IMAX. Uh, of course, Christopher Nolan is also very particular about the way that you're supposed to watch this movie, um, and I, I don't think, I don't think I lived up to his vision. I just watched it at the local theater that was cheap enough. <laughs> oh yeah, of, of course. Uh, but uh, yeah, Christopher Nolan says that this movie, you know, there's this. What, what, what did he say? Like he said, like he said to watch it on IMAX, right? Oh yeah, he he's he said uh, specifically. It's like no, this is best in IMAX, yeah. and I don't know if you saw some of the, uh, if you saw some of the uh, photos of the uh, Oppenheimer IMAX print uh, actually being set into one of the uh, projectors. It's like the damn thing almost didn't even fit the fucking wow. projector, man. I mean, there's there's like how many like how many miles of uh, of film was it? Like it was like it was it was a massive amount of uh, film. Let's just put it wow. that way. I believe it, and and I love how this movie also never wastes a second, and it's a three-hour movie, and it it, it it doesn't waste a second of your time with that. Uh, everything is purposeful. Every shot is meaningful. It, it it's incredible. I mean, I've got the movie, this movie again playing on in the background, like we I had with Barbie, and I'm here in the opening scene when we're watching these flashes with the young. Oppenheimer and um, the universe, you know, and just kind of realizing his place in this big universe and, and, and coping with that realization. Yeah, and what a place it was. I mean, he, I mean, you watch the movie and you look back in, in, in the historical record. I mean, he, he had a really personal reason for making this bomb because he, he was certain that this was going to be used on the Nazis. He, because I mean, he he's a uh, he was a, of Jewish descent, right? And everything, and and he was very aware of what Hitler was doing in, to the Jews in in uh, Europe and whatnot. So he felt that this was going to be imperative in ending that. But what he didn't uh, uh, what he uh, didn't uh, have in mind was the fact that the Nazis ultimately were so incompetent that they fucked over their own war <laughs> effort in the end. So. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, the Allies kind of overtook, uh, as we know, they overtook the Germans, and then eventually Mussolini fell, and that of course left uh, the Pacific Front. You I, know, the Pacific Theater and uh, Japan. And I love how this movie doesn't really take a side on whether the use of the bombs were ethical or not on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, because, you know, you can kind of see it from both perspectives. The justification they use up to making it is that we have to do this because the Nazis are going to do it first and we have to do it before they do. Or, uh, and so, yeah, well, yeah, it was, it was, it was an arms race. And so yeah. there's, there's part of it. There's a sense of urgency that even though the characters, you know, Oppenheimer himself is like, I don't know if this is a weapon that mankind can be trusted with, but you know, we don't have a choice, you know? And then once the bomb test happens, um, not even by the time the bombs are dropped, but by the time that it was a reality and the test happened, you know, that his character just completely, uh, he regrets it. And that's true to life is that Oppenheimer spent the rest of his life, you know, uh, advocating against the use 
of, of nuclear arms. And, you know, just like the, the struggle that he dealt with, with the fact that he introduced this weapon to mankind, that he gave, you know, fire to Prometheus, like the, the opening of the film states, or references. Absolutely. You know, or, or Prometheus Absolutely. giving fire to humans. Um, you know, and it was kind of like, and I, I think they, I think they may, I think they might, might have mentioned it in the movie too, but, um, and, and, and the movie's the strongest suit is, you know, how it really presents that journey that Oppenheimer took up to that point, you know, but also just the fallout from it, you know, like, I mean, I, I think that, uh, there, there's a point of time in the, in the movie where, you know, the, the bombings in Nagasaki and Hiroshima have already happened and, He's really fucking dealing with that, but he's also dealing. This is another element of this movie. He's dealing with the uh, with the House uh, on American uh, uh, Activities uh, co- Committee, right. the HEWAC. Like he's uh, like yeah, he's being persecuted for his beliefs, for his communist beliefs. He was he was a straight up staunch socialist, and you know that plays a very prominent role in this movie, and it plays a prominent role in how. Uh, also, how uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character comes into play it, into that, you know, because he pretty much kind of kind of testifies. Yeah, because him. this movie goes across his entire life, you know, from childhood to Los Alamos to even you know the era of McCarthyism. Um, you know, you, you really actually get uh, a sense of of you know that era and what you had to face. And it's mind boggling that there was a time like the McCarthy era where, you know, you were genuinely being persecuted just for having beliefs, uh, just for having, you know, a political affiliation, like crazy. Well, let's, let's be honest. We're kind of in in an era like that right now. Let's just go ahead and just put that out there. I mean, the, the the red scare never really ended and you know any type of left wing or progressive politics or or even further than that it's just consistently been demonized in this uh in, in this country ever since then and this right here just kind of shows those uh, machina- those machinations at yeah. work you know and it's crazy because oppenheimer I mean, wasn't even a member of the communist party he just he he no. argued for the freedom of being able to 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 express you know ideals and, and you know he had an academic interest in it and also stood for uh, a lot of what back then were considered progressive ideologies like integration <laughs> exactly exactly very progressive at the time like like i mean people wouldn't even hear of it you know that, there's the other that professor that's like uh, you know I, i'll vote for it but i don't I, i'm not i don't want to talk about it yeah, yeah, exactly, and, and of course, there's the the, uh, the there's his push to unionize the uh, engineers and the faculty and whatnot at, at his uh, as at his place of work, which uh, kind of gets him into uh, a little bit of hot water. I mean, he, he was a straight up uh, socialist and a trade unionist, and so. despite his efforts and despite his contribution to science, um, peace. You could argue, depending on how you see everything, you know, it, it, he was still like because he just happened to have, you know, these affiliations and, and he just happened to be a free thinker, you know, that followed him the rest of his life yeah, yeah. And, and ultimately led to his 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 downfall. And, you know, it just yeah, it gets to show just how crazy of a time this was. And again, like you can kind of look at the movie and it's kind of hard to even take an ethical stance because you could make the argument that, yeah. Um, when, when, when the bomb 
dropped, you know, how many more lives did it save than it killed? But then you have to think how many more lives were destroyed because the nuclear weapons, you know, nuclear weapons were invented. Um, and, and, or, or, you know, and then, but then you have to think, well, but, you know, if the U.S. didn't do it first, then the Nazis or the Russians would have done it first. So there's just so many angles, you know. But but it's it's a reality that this the only the only reality is that this event happened, and it was both tragic, but also you know beneficial to ending the war. <laughs> yeah, and a girl. but there there was also a few things that were let. They're all <clears throat> excuse me. There are also a few things that they, something that they kind of left out was uh, what happened when uh, they initially built Los Alamos and actually, uh, and actually like tested the bomb. Like first of all, everybody who was living in that area in Los Alamos that that wasn't an uninhabited area. They they were pretty much forcefully removed and pretty much just not just told to get the Oof. fuck out and you know. They they never got and a lot of those were like indigenous uh, indigenous people. A lot of those were like uh, poorer uh, white and poorer white and uh, for what it's worth in the you know? movie at least Oppenheimer but, argues that they should give the land back after the the uh, yeah at the very least. But but no, that's not a good idea though because I mean the other side of that is that uh, a couple of the uh, adjacent towns to the Los Alamos test area they did get a good dose of fallout that they're still to this day oh. dealing with there's there's still cancer there's still cancer clusters there you know damn because I mean, of the test that, that happened how many people involved because of the test that happened how many people involved in in this experiment ended up with radiation sickness oh cancer, who knows negative who, effects who yeah who knows i mean just wondering like how many of these like scientists that we like see in the movie you know or or personnel yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I like the way that the, the, the story is told, you know, through the, the these character interactions, and and not even necessarily in um in uh in a linear order. I mean, the movie is told uh, disjointed, uh, you know, just just constantly yeah, it's, it's, like it's non chronological. Yeah, uh, there are in fact two pasts and presents like ongoing, you know. Exactly. Like, like at, at any time. And it's kind of hard to keep track of. And I like how the, the movie not only is switching between uh, uh, the past and the present and between uh, uh, this character's perspective or that character's perspective, but also between like the black and the or black and white and color moments. And what's funny is, is it, you can't, it's not immediately obvious what the difference between the color scenes and the black and white scenes mean because they don't directly correlate to whether we're seeing the past or the present. They don't directly correlate with whether we're seeing this from Oppenheimer's or Strauss's perspective. They're, they're kind of all over the place. And, and I think what I heard was that somewhere, I don't know if this is actually from Nolan or the crew, but somewhere somebody said that the, the, um, that the black and white scenes represent objective truth or like, like, like our objective and, and the colored scenes are subjective interesting okay okay hmm and it's funny that most of the black and white scenes are uh scenes of uh strauss uh uh testifying to congress they're, they're mostly around like around they're strauss mostly, right and they mostly seem to be 
It's mostly around, around Strauss, Strauss's exactly. perspective, but it, it wasn't a hundred percent. I remember, and I remember like wondering, you know, yeah, like like how far, you know, and, and the movie even toys with other things. We we kind of see sort of a flash forward at the end, um, which gives us a little bit more hope about the rest of Oppenheimer's life, and you know, and it's just this movie is kind of dancing around these different time periods and and telling a story about his entire life that way, um, and. You know, this isn't the type of movie that I feel like I would normally be interested in, like a, a historical drama plus biopic, you know? It's like, but it it was a Christopher Nolan movie, so I, I, I watched it, and I'm glad that I did because it's actually just really well done. Like, just a really excellent film on its own. Like, it, it just did... It, it, it took it, a subject matter I wasn't even necessarily particularly interested in and, and, and invested me in it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's a historical figure that we just don't really consider all the time, even though Oppenheimer arguably had probably a, one of the greatest impacts of uh, most scientists uh, of his time, you know? Yeah. I mean, Im impact that led to real world, like, situations. Right, right, exactly. I mean, and, and what's interesting is that most movies about Oppenheimer have been focused on the Los Alamos, uh, you know, the, the time at Los Alamos. But this movie, again, you know, depicts his entire life. And I think that's the first time that's been done on film. Um, and, and again, doesn't even necessarily take a stance on whether or not you should empathize with Oppenheimer and, and, and celebrate him as a hero or not. The movie just kind of lets you interpret that however you want and, or, you know, perceive, perceive that however you want. The movie doesn't make a clear stance. Although I, I will say that it did a good job of, of taking a character who definitely had flaws and still making him relatable and, and, and empathizable, you know? I, I will say that, I mean, I could at least sympathize the character when it, when it came to him being persecuted for, for his political beliefs, you know? Yeah. I mean, Oppenheimer and whatnot. <clears throat> I mean, because yeah, that I mean that was a serious uh, blight on our on our history in its own right. Was the whole Red Scare and McCarthyism and whatnot? I mean, that 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 led to bad things, and it's kind of you know history's kind of repeating itself a little bit there. But <clears throat> right, but yeah, I mean, the way that this movie was paced, I mean, it really kept you engaged. I mean, I I don't know who edited this movie, but the editing just kind of. Uh, kind of moves things forward at a pace where, I mean, you're still kind of taking in of all the actual historical elements, but, you know, it doesn't linger too much and it doesn't drag in any way, you know? And, and the pacing in both these movies were good, but, it, like, especially for something like Oppenheimer, like a, histor a historical bio biopic, I mean, that could really drag sometimes, man. Like, especially if you go back and you uh, watch a lot of older ones, you know, like Gandhi or something like that, it's like, yeah, there's some parts where it drags a little bit, but... That wasn't the case here. No, not at all. I and mean, the movie didn't didn't bore me or 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 fail to leave me entertained despite the three hour runtime. And by the end of it, I was like, yeah, that would that was three hours. But I, I never, yeah, I never felt like it was dragging. I never looked at my watch at the time, you know, to, to see how much was left. And you know, I remember when they get to the bomb test, thinking that you know that this could be where the the movie kind of ends. But then I realized. No, I think I think there's a lot more story to tell here than they did. You know, I think like the whole like third act really is, is post Los Alamos, and 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 just kind of focuses on you know the aftermath of that and 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 um, 
and also the politi- more of the political persecution that Oppenheimer right. was experiencing. Right. Well. I, I just like, love that, that's where we get that. Uh-huh. That's where we get that that awesome scene, you know, where they're in the uh, when they're in the boardroom and everything, and uh, like uh, uh, Oppenheimer is testifying, and he, it's that moment where he has to he has to confirm under oath that he uh, that he had sex with uh, Jane Totsky. Uh, I was just thinking about that uh, scene, like uh, in front of his wife, in front in front of his wife, and then like all all of a sudden he's naked, and then Florence Pugh appears, and yeah, it's literally like uh, he's uh, cheating on like. His wife is just kind of seeing that. It's just like, damn. It's like that's 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 a fucking gut punch to her. And it's you know? from her perspective. Like she's, she's basically seeing she's 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 seeing her fuck his mistress in front of her there, like figuratively. And and more like, than I mean, that, she's finding out about that. More there. than that, I think what the film was trying to convey is that they're naked and 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 fucking right in front of the entire board. So it's like from her perspective, it's like that entire that room full of people knowing and, and watching them fuck. You know what I mean? Like, like their secrets yeah, were out yeah, it, to it, bear, it, you know? And it really just undercuts that humiliation, the humiliation. that she must have felt. Exactly. You know? It's pure humiliation. Because she was already yeah. aware that this had happened, but it's her not only being reminded of it happening and watching it happen, but watching it happen in front of a room of people and the entire world knowing their dirty secrets. Not... Not just a room of people, a room of Congress, Congress people, people, you know, and 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 yeah, yeah, like like this is this was a humiliating moment for both of them, and it 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 yeah, it, it, the film really kind of like it, it's kind of a gut punch because you realize that all of these accusations are unfounded, regardless of what you think about Oppenheimer's character by this point. You know, the accusations that are being brought forth are, are unfounded. It's literally just because he had associations, and she did too, you know, in the past. Again, the political persecution that plays as much into this movie as the the ethical question of, of whether creating and dropping the bomb was ethical. And <laughs> which, which is interesting seeing some of the discourse over this movie is that, you know, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of the uh, anti-woke people who were initially saying that, you know, uh, Oppenheimer was going to be the anti-woke movie and everything, but it's just like, oh, you mean the movie about a uh, man being persecuted for his socialist and communist associations and beliefs? The, like, that movie? Yeah. Really? It's like, you think that's not woke? Right. Yeah, that's... It's, it's like, come the fuck it, on, man. Interestingly enough, you know, it, it somehow maintains a nonpartisan stance but just seeing like the injustice that happened, that the truth, the reality of that, you know, should be enough for anybody to kind to kind of understand, you know, and you know what I mean. It's like it's especially, you know. especially with all of the service that he gave, you know, coming up with the bomb that ended the World yeah. War Two, it ended the on the, ended the on war, the cover you know? of Time Magazine, you know, absolutely to yeah. this. And, and, you know, and, and yeah, just, just the whole, like, like the, the, the assassination of his, of his reputation, um, which thankfully was restored because I think, I think we should, I, I think it's right to celebrate the accomplishment in science and, you know, what it meant for the world or maybe not celebrate it, but remember it, you know, talk about it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like this, this, and, and Oppenheimer is somebody who had, you know, a justification, arguably more than anybody 
to be a voice, to, to be an influence on whether nuclear arms should be used. Yeah, definitely. We imagine a future. And our imaginings horrify us. They won't fear it. Until they understand it. And they won't understand it. Until they've used it. Theory will take you only so far. I don't know if we can be trusted with such a weapon. But we have no choice. I mean, again, I guess that's that's the most that we'll really get into the movie, but there is just a lot to unpack, and um, we both, you know, I, I know we both recommend that you watch both of these movies because they're both incredible. <laughs> they really are, and it is a brilliant uh, double feature, honestly. It, it, it doesn't feel out of place with each other. What a other. great combination. I mean, they, yeah. they almost complement <laughs> each other. Yeah, it really it, it's is. It's so interesting, you know, just like the the, 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 um, the duality of man. Of both of these movies, either of which, you know, could, could, could get a Best Picture award, you know? Like... Easily, you know, like and 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 obviously, you know, the cast and crew involved, you know, there, there's going to be awards for both of these, and these are both going to be culturally relevant movies for quite some time, if you know. Oh, I, I think this is a this this is the cinematic event of this generation, yeah. like a, like whole whole will stop timeless. Honestly. So so cool that we got to talk about this together. I know it's it's a little bit late. I mean, the movie's been out for a couple weeks. You know, um, but everybody's still talking about them, and I noticed that. You know, like some of the well, movies, th th neither of them had that, not, neither of them had that big of a drop off in their second in their second week. Yeah. You know, that I mean, Barbie is now sitting at over a billion dollars yeah. right now, and Oppenheimer just made over five hundred million dollars. So yeah, I mean, like there are like at least three active Barbie shit posting groups, like like the bar and the Barbie memes are still pretty mainstream. Nice. Um, I. I, I, I want to see if there's an Oppenheimer shit posting group, like Oppenheimer bomb posting or something. Uh, 
There probably is. That if there isn't, we should make but one. But yeah, just the memes about both of these movies, about these movies together, all the Ken memes. I mean, I'm just loving the hell out of this. Um, again, I think that, that like this, this was an important cinematic event. It really was. It's, it's significant. It really, it really was. Uh, this deserves, yeah, the, both of these movies definitely. should be in the National Film Registry as a result of this. Uh, yeah, beyond a shadow of a doubt. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> so if you enjoyed this episode, uh, stay tuned for season seven of Collateral Cinema. What do we got coming up, Bo? Well, our season premiere will be Freddy versus Jason and our uh, second uh, October Halloween uh, related uh, episode will be uh, Trick or Treat. And I believe we're doing Halloween four for our official uh Halloween episodes. So yeah, look for that coming in October. Fuck yeah. I'm excited. Um, Collateral Gaming will be starting up in September. We are going to be doing a, a redux on Spider-Man uh, and a, a full spoiler episode on Miles Morales, which which we did a spoiler-free review of before. So revisiting both games on the podcast as a two-part episode. And then uh, in October, of course, we've got our like, spooky game content. So yeah, uh, we are actually going to be talking about Dino Crisis and Resident Evil 3 that month. Absolutely. That's, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then for the I Halloween special, um, Silent Hill for The Room. And then in, yeah. uh, because my, uh, Martin, so the Spider-Man games that we're, you know, our episodes that we're doing are building up to the release of Spider-Man 2 at the end of October. So we'll actually be covering that game in November. Again, starting with a spoiler-free review and then the second uh, part getting into the full spoiler details like we've done with a lot of episodes. And um, yeah, I'm really actually excited about all of it. I'm excited about Collateral Cinema Season 7. I'm excited about the picks. Um, and there are going to be more collabs between both of our podcasts as well. And uh, Definitely. Stay, be, even before the new seasons come, I mean, we've still got plenty of postseason content to release. I mean, there, I know there is another director's cut episode that um, we need to edit and release. So there's that. That's yes, already uh, been yeah. recorded. Yes, um, yeah, that's our slashers, slashers in the big city. Jason takes Manhattan and uh, Leprechaun in Vegas. I still need to actually get. Uh, we, yeah, but by the way, with, uh, with, 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 it's a with dads from the crypt, nice. by the way. Um, I also need to get uh, uh, the Morbius commentary out on Patreon. It, it's on our Podbean patron section, so if you become a patron on Podbean, you can check out our, our commentary on Morbius as we get Morbed. Um, and very soon, I'll, I'll have the video version out so that uh, on Patreon. Yeah. And uh, we have another uh, avenue for uh, crowdfunding and whatnot. Uh, we are now on uh, Buy Me a Coffee. So uh, look up Collateral Media Podcasts on uh, Buy Me a Coffee and uh, give us uh, give us five bucks. You know, buy us a coffee. You know, help support the podcast. And also, uh, if you go on Spreadshirt and look up Collateral Media Podcasts, we also have a merch shop. We have uh, different uh, designs, so two different designs so far. We have uh, hats, shirts, tote bags, mugs, all kinds of stuff. So uh, visit us there and uh, help support our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Hell yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, and we'll we'll there'll still be more at the movies episodes to do. We we may actually have a releasable episode on Spider Verse, which we thought was lost. Um, <laughs> that's why we didn't release it. Yeah, yeah, we 
we, we thought that was going to be some lost media, but apparently we, we found may, it, we, so. Yeah, we may have an episode that, that, that's, that's releasable for that. Um, I know, like, TMNT is coming out this month. Um, oh, I, I want to see that Blue Beetle. I know uh, Robert wants to see Blue Beetle and the new Gran Turismo movie. Gran Turismo, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, definitely, definitely another At The Movies episode there somewhere before uh, the next season. Um, and more to come this, this upcoming season. I'm, I'm excited. Absolutely. So uh, find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and also on the aforementioned uh, uh, Podbean patron, uh, Patreon, and buy me a coffee. Hell yeah. Well, with that all being said, I am uh, Bowenheimer. <laughs> and Ken is me. And this was Collateral Cinema Barbenheimer 2023 edition. And Alan is literally me. Literally fucking me. Oh, and fuck Ben Shapiro too. Laters. Cinema is a collateral media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.